SEP Fanfic Readings presents A Thousand Words by Olive Juice 28 Chapter 8 Back to Hogwarts The day before she was returned to Hogwarts, Hermione made good on her promise to visit Ron and George at the shop. The last time she had been there, George had spent the entire hour behind his closed office door, and the mood over the whole store had been somber. This time, she was greeted by a cacophony of bangs, whistles, chimes, and voices as she entered. It was so very reminiscent of the first time she had ever been there, back at the start of sixth year, that it brought both a smile to her face and tears to her eyes. As she slowly moved into the abundantly stocked store, she heard voices over the din and wound her way closer. As she neared the counter, she heard her name being called, not by George, who was standing to her right, but by Fred, she gasped. The tears that had started to form now completely blurred her vision. Harry had told her about the portrait the day it had been hung, but seeing it in person was almost overwhelming. "'Nice of you to drop by,' the grinning twin winked at her, and then waved his hand, gesturing to the large store. "'Think we're ready to welcome customers again, don't you?' She beamed at him, tears streaming down her face, and walked over to George, who had been smiling over a clipboard, as he tallied up a new stack of fake wand boxes. "'Oh, George, how wonderful!' she choked out. He threw an arm around her shoulder and nodded vigorously, glancing up at his brother. "'Yeah, I was completely shocked. I had no idea Malfoy was planning it. And I can't—' His voice hitched and he shook his head, still looking at Fred, who was smiling benevolently at the two of them. "'Clearly, he missed me,' sniffed Fred, causing both of them to laugh. "'We all did,' Hermione said. "'We still do, you know?' She looked at George. "'How are you doing, truly?' better. He heaved a great sigh. I know it's not really him, but it's a damn sight better than not having him at all. I could still bounce ideas off of him, and he remembers loads about our lives growing up, and going to Hogwarts, and all the products we've created. It's as close to having him here in the flesh as we can get, and for that, I'm eternally grateful to Mountfoy. His eyes were bright again, but he was smiling, and there was a peace about him that had not been there for a very long time. Hermione was so happy and relieved to see much of the old George back, she almost started crying again, but was thankfully deterred from that by the sound of the front door opening. She turned as George called out a welcome to see Ron making his way over with a lodge box in his arms. "'Hey, Hermione,' he grinned at her and set the box on the counter. "'They were ready, then?' asked George. "'No,' smirked Ron. "'I just felt like carrying someone else's stuff down the street.' He rolled his eyes and George smacked him lightly on the head with his clipboard. "'What's in the box?' asked Hermione." "'Our latest prototype,' said George mysteriously. He opened the flaps of the box, but didn't fold them down, so no one else could see. At that moment, however, a series of small humming sounds reached her ears, and she stood on tiptoe to peer inside. It looked like the box was filled with roughly a dozen egg-sized balls of fur. They ranged in color from very light gray to a chocolate brown, to a sandy blonde, and even a raven black, with varying shades of each in between.' As all three humans stared at them, the little lumps began to move. They were packed in very closely, so closely the bottom of the box was not visible, but all of a sudden, one of the gray ones moved enough so that they could see its face. George scooped it up to get a better look at it. The tiny creature seemed to be a combination of several different things. Its body was roughly the size and shape of a mouse, although its fur was much thicker and longer. It had rather large back feet, but smaller front ones, similar to a rabbit, its head was round, with eyes that seemed almost too big for the space, and a squashy little black nose. Its ears were also oversized and round like a panda's. Its tail was long but fluffy, and was curiously wrapped around itself. "'It's adorable!' squealed Hermione. "'What is it?' 
George and Ron both chuckled, and Ron scooped a second creature out of the box, handing it gently to Hermione. She ran her finger over the tiny animal, which let out a recognizable purr. "'It's a cross between a mouse and a pygmy puff,' explained George. "'We're thinking of calling them puff mice, or something like that,' said Ron. "'Puff mice,' said Hermione thoughtfully, looking at the caramel-colored ball of fur in her palm. "'Are you a puff mouse?' She held her hand up at eye level, gazing at the fluffy little thing as it met her stare. He, or she, stood up on its tiny little legs and stretched forwards as far as it could, as if trying to reach her. She brought her hand closer to her face, continuing to make eye contact. Without warning, just as her hand was about to bump her nose, the minute being sprang forward with surprising agility, scrambled up her face, and settled into her curls on top of her head. Hermione let out a startled, "'Oh!' as all three redheads in her presence guffawed heartily. She could feel tiny little feet pattering around on her skull, and she wasn't sure she enjoyed it, not wanting to scare the little thing or harm it in any way. She stood perfectly still and looked imploringly at her friends. "'A little help here?' "'I don't know,' mused George, tapping his forefinger on his chin. His eyes narrowed in marked seriousness. "'I think it looks rather happy up there. Be ashamed to make it move.' By now, Hermione could feel that the creature had settled down on the crown of her head, apparently ready to resume its nap. She was starting to panic when the two voices reached her ears. "'Oi! Anyone home?' Harry hollered as he emerged from the office in the back, followed by Draco, who was happily taking in the finishing touches made to the shop since he was last there. He turned in her direction and stopped immediately, staring at the tiny furry hat she seemed to be wearing. "'New accessory, Granger?' he drawled, smirking. "'Hmm, yes,' she rolled her eyes, still refusing to move her head. "'George was just about to remove it for me.' She glared at the shop's owner as he feigned ignorance to her plight, walking further away from her to show Harry and Draco the box of new arrivals. Inevitably, all four young men were crowded around the box, studying the puff mice, Harry now holding the grey one that George had originally taken out. "'Hello?' Hermione huffed. "'I would like to move from the spot eventually.' All four wizards turned to look at her and, as if in unspoken agreement, shrugged at each other and looked back at the box. Even Fred's portrait was staring pointedly away from her. She could see the grins they were all trying to hide and knew they were just giving her a hard time. But she truly was afraid to move. What if it jumped off her head? Would it survive falling to the floor? Worse yet, what if it left a mess in her hair? She'd never live that down. Hermione was starting to panic when Draco finally stepped away from the box and approached her. He was biting the inside of his cheek to keep from laughing, but she could see the mirth swimming in his slate-gray eyes. She pursed her lips and carefully placed her hands on her hips in a gesture of impatience. He stood very close to her, mere inches away, close enough for her to smell whatever woodsy cologne he wore. She had noticed it faintly when he was at her house, but it was stronger today. He smelled fresh, like the outdoors, like fresh-cut grass, even. Her brow furrowed as she recognized other scents mixed in there. Ink and new parchment— her eyes flew wide and her heart thundered so loudly she was sure Draco could hear it. She looked up to see him carefully reaching his hands up above her head, muttering softly, "'Come here, you,' as he gently scooped Puff Mouse into his palm. He huffed a sigh of relief and she caught a whiff of the spearmint toothpaste on his breath. Her heart stopped and she was positive her stomach was now in her trainers. "'No, it's not. It can't be.' Thankfully, Draco seemed to be oblivious to her internal struggle as he lowered his hands between them. The puff mouse was fully alert now, sitting up on its hind legs, sniffing the air around it, taking in its new surroundings. "'Have to admit,' he drawled, a small smile tugging up one corner of his mouth. "'It's rather cute.' 
His eyes flickered up to hers, and he was surprised to see Hermione's were wide with a mix of panic and bewilderment. "'You all right, Granger?' "'Uh,' she began, swallowing with difficulty and demanding her heart return to its normal rhythm. She took a step back. "'Yeah, thanks, Malfoy.' She rubbed her hands nervously on the sides of her jeans, her eyes darting all around the shop. "'I should get going. Still have lots to do.' And with that, she stepped further away from him, over to the others who were now transferring the rest of the puff mice from their cardboard box to a large case containing a carpet of paper shavings, several running wheels, and a maze of clear plastic tunnels. The new occupants were already scurrying and bouncing around their home, humming happily. "'You want to grab lunch?' asked Harry. "'Oh, no, but thanks,' she rushed on, her voice unusually high. "'I'll see you later at Grimald.' "'Well, give us a hug,' demanded George. "'We won't see you till Christmas, most likely.' "'Oh, yes!' she scooted over and gave George a sincere, although rather quick, squeeze, and then did the same to Ron. "'See you lot in a few months!' As she spun away from them, she almost bumped right into Draco, who had taken a few steps closer to the counter on his way to deposit the fuzzy friend he was still carrying. Hermione's cheeks flamed as she inhaled another lungful of his impossibly familiar scent. Unable to meet his eyes, she blurted, "'See you at school, Malfoy!' and almost ran to the door. "'What's got her knickers in a twist?' puzzled Ron." "'Who knows?' said George, as he turned to ask Fred's portrait something. Harry shrugged, but glanced out of the corner of his eye at Draco, who was carefully placing the caramel-colored puff mouse in the cage, and wondered. Hermione was greeted warmly by McGonagall as she entered her office on the morning of August 30th. The headmistress had requested that she return earlier than the rest to help her with some start-of-the-term business. "'It's good to see you again, Miss Granger,' said McGonagall, gesturing to the chair across from her. "'I trust you have been well since we last met.' "'Yes,' replied Hermione. "'I've been living at Grimald with Harry for the past few weeks, and I plan to spend the holidays there this year. I still haven't decided yet what to do with my parents' home since returning from Redland.' And—' She trailed off, not quite sure how to fill her professor in on all that had happened, but she was relieved of the task. "'Kingsley owled me after he saw you,' McGonagall explained. "'I'm so sorry, dear. I know that was not the result you were hoping for.' She studied the young witch's face with concern. "'Are you all right?' Knowing that her favorite teacher was not one for touchy-feely moments, Hermione greatly appreciated the caring being expressed. "'Yes,' she assured her quietly. "'It was very difficult at first, but I've contacted multiple experts and have heard back from less than half of them so far, so I'm not giving up any hope yet.' She found herself repeating that very phrase quite often in her own head, every time another letter arrived with equally disappointing news. Just two days ago, she had received the most recent one from a very clinical and severe-sounding witch from Russia. In the brief paragraph, the healer stopped barely short of asking Hermione how she could have been so foolish enough to cast the spell herself, being the underage, unqualified witch she surely was. It took much self-restraint not to tear the parchment in shreds or to set it on fire, but instead she added it to the file folder of responses she had received so far. When, not if, the healer with the solution finally contacted her. She planned to send a letter to every one of those so-called experts who had told her there was nothing to be done. Bringing herself back to the present, Hermione continued, "'You mentioned you wanted my help with something, Professor.' "'Yes, yes,' McGonagall started shuffling through papers on her desk, looking for something. "'We are implementing a new program this term, one designed to promote inter-house unity, as well as provide the groundwork for better relations between older and younger students.' I believe it is referred to as peer mentoring in the muggle world. Hermione was rather surprised, but very pleased to hear this. That sounds wonderful, she replied excitedly. How can I help? McGonagall smiled at the enthusiasm. We will need to pair the first years with eighth years. 
and I would like your input as to who you think would partner up best. I realize you don't know the new students, but you do have a solid history with almost every one of the eighth years, which will be most helpful. Hermione was intrigued. Who all is returning for their eighth year? So far, she only knew of herself and Malfoy, and was eager to know just who would be joining them. There will be a total of ten of you. The headmistress pulled out a parchment that contained a short list of names and handed it to Hermione. Hannah Abbott, Anthony Goldstein, Hermione Granger, Daphne Greengrass, Neville Longbottom, Luna Lovegood, Draco Malfoy, Theodore Knott, Padma Patil, Dean Thomas. After looking the list over, Hermione glanced up. Luna, isn't she in seventh year? Yes, began the headmistress in a gentler tone that she typically employed. Miss Lovegood came to visit me a few weeks ago and asked if it would be possible for her to reside in the eighth-year dormitory due to the deep connection she feels to Mr. Thomas, Mr. Longbottom, and yourself. I couldn't bring myself to refuse her, as I'm sure you understand. Hermione nodded, feeling a surge of fondness for her quirky friend. I'm very glad she'll be with us. She looked over the list again. I'm honestly surprised to see two other Slytherins on here. I wonder if Malfoy knows that he'll have former housemates with him. McGonagall studied her shrewdly. Yes, I was pleasantly surprised to receive Miss Greengrass and Mr. Knott's letters that they wished to return. Both of them are very good students previously. I trust you will help them settle in and make them feel welcome. Her gaze, if possible, was even more pointed than usual. Of course, Professor, said Hermione immediately, not wanting her to think that she had a problem with the returning Slytherins. I think this will be a very good year for all of us. She smiled, but noticed the headmistress still seemed worried. You know, I've actually spent a bit of time with Malfoy recently and she proceeded to tell the older witch all about Draco's letter, his help moving her to Grimmauld, and his newfound infatuation with Toast. It took several hours to match up incoming first years with the eighth years that would be their mentors. The group of new students was smaller than previous years, as many parents were, understandably, reluctant to send their eleven-year-olds to live at the site of one of the biggest and most violent battles in wizarding history. Currently, twenty-two first years were expected to arrive on September 1st, each of them having been given permission by their parents or guardians to participate in the new mentoring program. The majority of the parents responded to the school notice positively, echoing the sentiments of the faculty that interhouse unity was extremely important as they sought to rebuild their magical community. Only a few parents expressed concern over who their child might be paired with, and one parent stated that in no uncertain terms would their child be subjected to the influence of a former Death Eater. Hermione offered to be that student's mentor, and McGonagall agreed that she would be the best candidate. With ten eight years, with ten eighth years, and a little more than twice that amount of new students, each eighth year would have two younger charges. Hermione took three, and suggested that Dean Thomas be given three as well. Being a half-blood raised by muggles, and having survived living on the run the previous year, gave him first-hand experience with the kind of prejudice that they had all fought against, and she knew he shared her deep desire to move past it, and forge ahead in a more positive, unified direction. The first years had filled out a short survey that was used to help place them with their mentor. One of Neville's students was extremely interested in herbology, and one of Luna's loved to draw magical creatures. Each of them had something in common with their mentor, which Hermione felt would be a good starting point for forming the relationship she hoped would last through the year, and beyond. The two children assigned to Draco were both avid Quidditch fans, and one of them was fascinated with potions. She fervently hoped that they would be a good match. For some reason, she was more nervous about their introductions than her own. He definitely seemed to have made some changes over the past several months, but she wanted his first years to give him the benefit of the doubt so they could see who he was becoming, not base their impressions on what they might have heard about who he had been before. 
She tried to chalk the concern up for him simply wanting the year to get off on the smooth start, and not, she repeatedly told herself, because she was feeling more drawn to the tall blonde every time she was around him. She had argued with herself the rest of the day after leaving the joke shop. Her reaction to the way Malfoy smelled had been ridiculous. It was a coincidence that he vaguely matched what she had identified in the Amortentia potion during sixth year, nothing more. After all, she admonished herself, everyone has access to grass and parchment and minty toothpaste. Forcing her attention back to the task at hand, she read over the list one final time and agreed with the headmistress that it looked to be a good fit for everyone. Once the matches were complete, McGonagall offered to walk Hermione to her dorm. As they strolled through the familiar corridors, Hermione started to notice the direction they were heading. "'Professor,' she began, "'why are we heading to the seventh floor?' "'Your new dormitories are in the room of requirement,' McGonagall replied. Seeing the look of shock on the younger witch's face, she continued, "'The room of hidden things was destroyed by the fiend fire, but the magic of the room as a whole remained intact. It took a few days for it to begin to fully function again, but I think you will be quite pleased with what it has come up with for all of you,' she smiled secretively, and stopped in front of a set of tall, ornately carved wooden doors. We have requested that the room always leave the doors visible and unlocked this year. However, only eighth years and faculty will be able to open them, or invite others through them. With that, she opened the doors and swept into the room, Hermione following close behind.